Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Tuesday, December the 26th, the day after Christmas. I hope everybody had a good holiday, got lots of presents, and uh, enjoyed uh, a little time off with your family. I certainly I certainly did. I know one man in the world who probably got a, a lot of gifts from uh, from Santa Claus, and that's our good friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Bill, what did you get from Santa Claus? I, I understand that he was very nice to you. Uh, well, he, he he was very nice, except uh, we had a problem. Uh, they wouldn't let, let him in our building. Uh, they said he didn't pass the dress code, uh, you know, and, and, and that other other uh, other residents would be frightened to see somebody like that walking down the hall. So I'll, I'll, I'll get my gift probably by mail during the week or, well, wait a minute, it's a U.S. mail. Well, sometime during the year, and uh, I'll be able to answer the question then. Okay. Well, I look forward to getting some reports from you and see if you got your favorite toy. I know that our grandson, our grandson Lincoln, got this little replica of uh, the, you know, the shuttle that goes up into space. Yes. And uh, he was playing with that. You, you know, I, I have a feeling that uh, he, he, he just he couldn't he couldn't put it down. He loved it so much. So. Uh, maybe we have a future man in space here in our little grandson. By the by, the time he grows up, that it'll probably be a man on another planet living there. A development, a Donald Trump development uh, <laughs> on Mars. I mean, you know, he he might be able to get a good deal. A Trump Tower in Mars. That's Trump what Trump Tower. Do. That I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me either. But you make a good point there. What could happen? You know, he's three years old, so let's say by the time he's 25 and he decides to go into the NASA program, I mean, just go back 25 years, you know, the things that we didn't have with it, we have now. So things are in, in technology are changing so fast that a three-year-old like that, who knows? Who knows what uh, what kind of technology? Sometimes it's a little scary Oh, it is in the yeah. sense that some of this technology is not making people better, in my opinion. Because it's making them more reliant yes. on machines, especially and, this iPhone uh, that people uh, won't put down. Oh no, no! The iPhone is is it is probably one of the most successful inventions in history. And you're right; the the young people won't put it down. And also, this artificial intelligence scares the heck out of me. I mean, where a machine might actually be brighter than a man. Now, in some in some cases, looking at the Democratic Party, that's not unusual. But right. uh, but. I, I read a story today, we probably read the same story, that a robot at the Tesla factory attacked one of the technicians. That's what I heard. That's what yes. I, had to, I had to read that twice to make sure that it was not from Babylon B. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, that is remarkable. Well, let's just take a, a quick second, uh, Bill, and go back in time a little bit to December 26. A couple of presidents passed away on December 26, uh, Harry Truman in 1972 and Gerald Ford. In 2006, a couple of presidents who probably never thought they would be president. I don't think a lot of people did around them. I know Gerald Ford in particular. I've read his biography and he was planning to retire yes. at the end of 72 or 74. He was he had told his wife, you know, we're going back to Michigan. I'm not doing this anymore. And then, of course, he got thrown into the vice presidency. And the case of Harry Truman. Well, I don't know whether he was expecting to be vice president, but he ended up being president and also uh, i mean he ended up being vice president then pre president 
and had to make some of the toughest decisions of the 20th century. So I think in many ways, these two men are similar. Yes. And successful, really, I think, in their presidency. I agree. Harry Truman uh, was quite successful in the decisions he made, not too successful in endearing himself to the public. Uh, he, uh, he, of course, was defi- uh, he did not run in 1952. He was actually eligible. Even though the 25th Amendment had been passed, limiting a president to two terms, it was two full terms. He had not served two full terms. He became president uh, uh, in, uh, let's see, what, which month of office? About, about the fourth April month of 45. Office. So he, April, had, he had only served one month as vice president. <laughs> So I mean, well, no, well, actually, about three months because the, okay. the, the, the January, oh, right. January, January twentieth, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I suspect he had an inkling that he would be president because everyone in Washington knew that President Roosevelt was so sick. So, and he became president, as you said, a successful one. Was not popular. Fought his way to an election in ni- in nineteen forty eight, the miracle election, where nobody expected he would be elected to his own term. But he did. Uh, he, he fought his way through and, as you said, made some of the most important decisions uh, that a president could make, especially regarding uh, the uh, forming NATO, uh, entering the war in Korea, which may have been unpopular, but it was a, a decisive decision, uh, uh, desegregating the armed forces, important decisions. Right. That's right. No, he was he was a man who made decisions. I think that's his if I was going to describe his his character, that would be it. He made decisions. He didn't pass the buck. I think he had a sign on his desk about something like that saying, don't pass the buck or the buck stops here or something like that that he had on on his desk. So I think that's his, his best quality is that he made decisions. Uh, Gerald Ford was the other one. And Gerald Ford, uh, you know, never thought he would be president or for that matter, even made vice president. But then, you know, as we know, he became vice president and I, he probably suspected that he would get to be president, particularly in 1974 when he saw the collapse of Nixon. I bet he began to tell his wife, you know, this may happen. This may happen. Yeah. I may end up being president. Uh, yes, he called a moving van early just to make sure they had it yes. so he could move into the White House. Yes. Uh, yeah, and he acquitted himself. Well, he was kind of a caretaker president and, uh, as you said, was defeated by Jimmy Carter, who was in my view, not, not an admirable president, but uh, we were saved from that period by Ronald Reagan. We had a Reagan, which we don't have today. And I, I wish we had a Reagan today. Uh, but um, uh, Reagan came along at a miraculous time, just in time to uh, forge some kind of national unity and to restore the national morale. Right. No, I think you're right. I think without, I mean, had Ford been actually elected in 74, uh, then, or 76, I mean, then maybe Reagan would have never happened. Right. So, you know, you never know about these things, the way they they shake out. But Reagan, I mean, Truman and Ford uh, died on this day, 1972 and and 2006. Well, let's look a little bit. Uh, This is going to be our last podcast of the year. And I wanted to look back at a couple of stories uh, this year, important stories. And the first one, uh, Bill, that I want to put on the table is this comeback, political comeback of Donald Trump. Now, it's not over yet. It could change uh, during 2024. And knowing Trump's 
personality and background, he could blow this. I, 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 just, I always tell that to my friends. He's capable of blowing all of this. But at the moment, he seems to be doing quite well, politically doing quite well. And on the other side of the coin, President Biden is not doing well. So it's almost like, Bill, they're going in opposite directions. And I've never seen anything like that before. You mentioned Jimmy Carter. Yes, Jimmy Carter at this point in 1979 was not looking really good. But there wasn't a Reagan yet. You didn't have the other side That's right. ready. Uh, but yeah, no question, Jimmy Carter was not going well. But I've never seen anything like this. We may be looking at the Trump comeback a year from today, uh, from today, Bill. We might. And what is remarkable is not only uh, what we are seeing before us, but the way we got there. Uh, and the fact that we have never had we've never had a situation like this where we have in the White House an impaired president, obviously impaired, a vice president who nobody thinks can could serve well. Uh, so uh, pushing him out would, would probably serve no, no useful purpose. And we have on the other side a man who has been president. I don't know if we I think one president did run. Uh, for re-election after skipping a term. And I, th I think it was Grover Cleveland, but I'd have to look that up. But uh, And what is uh, interesting about both who are, will likely lead their tickets, it's not a guarantee, but likely lead their tickets, is that neither man is wildly popular. I mean, uh, the, uh, uh, the approval ratings on, on Biden are the worst actually in modern history of any president since they started taking that poll about approval. And, and while Trump has a very strong following, it's not a majority following. Uh, uh, many people really dislike him intensely and, and will vote against him just to vote against him. So it's, it's not a situation that we should be overjoyed about. No, it's, it's not, you know, again, going back to Reagan in 1980, uh, we all remember that second debate uh, when Reagan uh, looked at Carter and said, there you go again. I think that was the point where the American people said, okay, I think we found our man. And Reagan was such a likable person. That's the other yes. thing, too. I mean, it's, it's tough to hate Reagan. Uh, yeah, it is. Some people yeah. did. Some people did, of course. Some people. And he himself was not a hater. He would, yeah, he would, but, he would but, not go, uh, go, go at, at people the way Trump does, which right. I think is one of Trump's negative characteristics. Exactly, exactly. Reagan was very likable, very amiable kind of guy. And uh, even if you didn't like him or didn't vote for him, he was a likable guy. I don't think anybody. And Trump does have that problem. He does have the problem of turning off people. He'll say things that honestly uh, don't don't make any sense, but he says them anyway. Now, I have a theory, Bill. I like to share this with you, but I think he, when he says these things, he says them on purpose because he knows the reaction is going to be so crazy that the Democrats overplay overplay their hand in reacting to him. Yes, uh, yes, he goads people, and and he might he might do it intentionally. Uh, on the other hand, he might think that this is just the way you talk because that's the way New York landlords talk. So uh, who knows? But uh, it it does appear that unless something physical happens to Biden. There is really nothing to stop him from the nomination uh, unless he has some kind of a breakdown where a committee is formed and they go to the White House and say, look, Mr. President, it's it's really time to go. I don't see that happening. And on the Republican side, the nomination really is Trump's to lose. But there is one thing that can 
cause a tremendous disruption, and that is if he is actually convicted of a crime before the election. Then the American people have to ask, do we really want to elect a man who, is, uh, who has been convicted of a crime? And then what do you do? I don't think there's anything in the Constitution that bars him from running. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, if he gets convicted and gets sentenced, if he's president, can he, does he have to go to jail Im immediately? I don't know. Very unusual situation. No, it's almost like a movie. I mean, it's, I mean, you, you couldn't even get Hollywood to make a movie like this. If you went to Hollywood and said, here's the script. I have a former president who's running for president. He's up in the polls. He gets convicted. He wins the election. Does he go to jail? I mean, all these kinds of things that make it a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, oh absolutely. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that many people in Hollywood today know there is a president and or where he, he, he works. Uh, it's a different Hollywood than the one I knew. Um, but I, a weird situation, a dangerous situation internationally, because I think foreign countries uh, are, uh, are best uh, uh, tolerated when they know how powerful we are when they think we're not powerful or confused or uncertain, they may make the mistake of, think they can, of thinking they can attack us. And that is one of the things that really does worry me. Right. And, you know, you wrote a post about this at Urgent Agenda. And this lady at CBS, who's a very good reporter, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Catherine Harridge. Yes. Herridge. And she's an excellent reporter. Uh, and she was, I guess she was in a panel over the weekend and they asked her, and she said, this is what worries me, some big event yes. in 2024 that could change everything. I mean, we're still going to have an election, but it could it could really put the United States to a test. And what could that be? I don't know. But there's so many possibilities. Could can't, he can't hear you. Your picture is frozen. I'm back. How about okay. you? Okay. Yeah, I, I, everything fine now. I don't know. We'll blame it on climate change. That's all I can well, say. It's, it's obviously climate change. Yeah, I, I guess we lost about five seconds there. I apologize. Yeah. But it looks like there was a connection problem, but I guess we're okay. Uh, it was climate change, of course, because of course. Uh, that what else could it be? But there's so many issues. I mean, I mentioned possibilities of things. You know, you have Israel... I mean, there could be a war between Israel and Iran, for example. Oh, absolutely. And that would inevitably involve the United States. Right. You could have China saying, OK, this is the year to go into Taiwan. You know, they could be thinking that way. Who knows what Putin's going to say? He could get overthrown. That's another thing, too. And, and throw that whole region into chaos. The thing that I fear the most, Bill, uh, we're dealing here with the uncertainty, of course. But the deal that I fear the most is a terrorist act connected yes. to the border. Yes, you're you know, you're absolutely right. That would be the most logical. The players may already be in the country. Uh they may have already gotten their orders. Uh any supplies could come down very easily. And yes, another 9/11. Uh or a well, you know, I don't want to go into specifics because then you give me people ideas, but some horrible event right here in the United States. And again, when you look at what's happening on the border, the total chaos 
that we're seeing on the border. There was a lady last week, Bill, who came in, and they gave her a ticket to see a judge in the year 2031. Yes. Incredible, isn't it? So it, it occurred to me that she'll be able to take an electric car to the <laughs> courthouse. Yes. Because by then, I guess we're all supposed to be driving electric cars. Right by now. then, she might be president. She might be president, <laughs> oh, you yes. can't, no, Foreign-born can't. Well, they yes. can change that rule. They can change that rule. Yes, the, the people do not understand how serious the border problem is because it's a slow-moving issue. You know, it, it's not one event like 9-11. It's a, a constant, constant drag on the country. And people don't think about it enough because it is inevitable that some of the people coming over that border do not have our best interests in mind. Right. And I understand that we're supposed to be sitting down with the president of Mexico or Mexico this week or next week to talk about this. And, Bill, I hope we're being very clear because uh, the, the president of Mexico is now saying that he thinks that we should be talking to Cuba and we should be talking to Venezuela. And to me, those are separate issues. What we need to be talking to Mexico about, and this is not just something I believe. A lot of Mexican friends tell me this. They're very concerned that Mexico has become like an avenue to come to the United States, something yes. that never happened before. I can tell you because I know Mexico quite well that Mexico was always a country that protected itself against immigration from other countries. Yes. Now, they had no problem with Mexicans coming here because they're sending money back. And most of these people are working in the United States. They're not bad people. They're working and sending money back. But what is now going through Mexico is not Mexicans, Bill. That's right. I, I saw a few days ago one of the news organizations had a, a, a tape interviewing people. Uh, some were from uh, Vietnam. Uh, some were, uh, were from India, uh, which the last time I looked did not border on the United States. And uh, maybe, the, maybe the world has changed more than we think it has. But there are uh, many from the Middle East, and that really scares me. And I'm afraid you might be right that there might be some incident that could be horrible and occur right here on our soil. And what's interesting about that, an incident of that nature, and again, I'm not predicting it, I'm just concerned about it. It's just one of the things that, that I see on the table, but there's so much danger on the border that I think we have to be prepared for it. But what concerns me, what kinds of restrictions on civil liberties would there be if you have an attack like that? I mean, the, the government would maybe forced to shut down and actually arrest people in mass who, who they suspect could be connected to it. I mean, there's so many things. Uh, remember what happened with the Japanese after Pearl Harbor? You could oh, have yes. something like that uh, where people are being arrested because they, you know, they're, they're going to be investigated by the government because, because they came through the border bill. Yes, well, you, the, the example you use of the Japanese uh, is a very good one. Of course, the, those were Japanese Americans who were American citizens who were interned because of fear that they had some connections with the, either the Japanese government or the Japanese military. Uh, one A big mistake on our part, and the compensation was later paid. But I, I'm concerned that, you know, agents of Hezbollah or Hamas are in this country right now. Uh, it, it also could be uh, agents of Russia or of China. I mean, we, we, there is a new block building against us in the world. We don't seem ready. The president doesn't seem interested. Uh, we had, as you know, today, we were greeted in the first day uh, after Christmas with an attack on American 
soldiers in Iraq, and one of them is, was critically wounded. Uh, we responded with, uh, as we said, as they say, proportionately with some small attack somewhere. We are being told by just about every real military expert that we're going to have to attack very, uh, reply very strongly if we want these attacks to stop, because there have now been almost 100 of them. Uh, small attacks against American forces that are stationed in Iraq and Syria. And I, I'm a, in agreement. I think if any American is killed in any of these attacks, we will have to launch some kind of raid on Iran proper and, right. and, and, and take the risk. It's because otherwise they'll never take us seriously. Well, and I mean, how do you tell the parents of, of the young man killed that you got their kids back if you're not willing to protect their sons. Uh, yes. And, I mean, at some point, you know, I, I've always felt that when you take a young man into harm's way, that you have a responsibility to protect that young man. War is risky, obviously, and deadly, yes. and there will be casualties. And that that's a part of, of being a soldier. But when you are being attacked and attacked and attacked, at some point, I think the parents have a right to say, well, wait a minute, are you going to be defending my son? who is in, in one of those places. It reminds me a little bit, Bill, of the late 90s when the Clinton administration just kept turning the cheek and attack after attack on the United States. I mean, you had Iraqi, uh, you know, Iraqi, uh, the Iraqi people, uh, the, the military attacking U.S. planes that were enforcing that no-fly zone. I mean, that's an act of yes, war, and yet right. we didn't respond. And there were others, like you remember the, the ship that was uh, attacked in, in in the Gulf or whatever, uh, where I think ten or twelve soldiers were killed. I mean, yes, uh, I, I, I do remember that. Uh, yeah, um, and and so I mean, at some point you have to say we're not going to put up with any more attacks, and we're willing to use our force to protect our soldiers and let them decide if they want to test your force, Bill. Well, I think that's true. Uh, the uh, the United States Navy is. Uh, in the in the that area, it, it has been reinforced by a few ships. Uh, we have some uh, additional air uh, assets in the area that have been flown in. But it will it will take the determination of the president of the United States uh, to turn this around in the Middle East, because we are presenting ourselves to the world and to our enemies as a weak, indecisive nation. Uh, we are giving uh, the proper help to Israel. But they, even there, we seem to have more criticism of Israel than we do of our enemies. Right. And people have noticed this. Now, right. uh, th there's a, a sub-story here that really should be told by the American press and for some reason is not being told. And that is there is an Iranian lobby in Washington uh, that apparently is very influential. I think it is... Um, uh, I think I will go so far as to say that I think the former president, Barack Obama, is part of it. Uh, and and we, we, we never seem to go after Iran itself, even though we know they are behind some of the things that are happening in the Middle East. <coughs> they, seem, they seem immune, quite the opposite. We have given them or released to them billions of dollars, and that seems insane. Right. Well, there, I think there's a misguided <laughs> policy. I think you said this a couple of weeks ago, but there's a misguided policy that somehow we think we can turn Iran around, I guess, yes. and somehow they can become nice people. I mean, the government, not the people itself, that somehow they will become nice people and will be a part of the international community. Well, in the last couple of months, I think they've shown they have no interest <laughs> to do that, Bill. 
No, not at all. They have an interest in goading the United States. Right. And they, they and Hezbollah and Hamas are both subdivisions uh, of Iran. And I've seen military people on the air saying, if they do something that is out of line, you have to hit them directly, not hit some small detachment somewhere or Boy Scout camp in Iraq. <laughs> uh, and and we, we may, you know, I think Catherine Her Herridge is right. We may face a, a, a very serious event this year. And right. I, think, I think Americans realize that there was a, a kind of subdued atmosphere over Christmas that I, I noticed. Um, now, that may be simply the passage of time and that we don't celebrate the way we used to. I remember when Christmas was a very big event on television for entertainers, especially Perry Como. He would make uh, uh, Christmas uh, the, the time of his specials. They were wonderful. They were about Christmas. We don't have that anymore. There's something just missing. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, and I don't know if this is even related, but the movie It's a Wonderful Life used to be shown every December 24th at 7 p.m. Yes. On a national basis. Yeah. And for some reason this year it wasn't on. I, I have no idea whether it was shown on cable. I don't know. But the movie It's a Wonderful Life was a tradition, and I don't remember it this year, Bill. I, I don't remember it either. Uh, it may be that they feel that the audience uh, does not remember Jimmy Stewart or Donna Reed, mm. and and that's probably true. That's probably true. You know, I, I, it is amazing to me for somebody who worked on The Tonight Show that millions and millions of Americans do not know who Johnny Carson was. Right. Well, he what passed away? Uh, what ten passed years away ago? about two thousand six. Yeah, no, and, you're right. Now, I, I obviously I know who he is, and a lot of people do. But you're right. I mean, it, 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 even Ronald Reagan, Bill. I mean, we're talking about Ronald Reagan was elected. It's going to be forty three years in January that he was that he walked into the White House. Forty three years is a long time. Um, I mean, I say the same thing about Jimmy Carter. How many Americans even remember him? Uh, they. they not many. I mean, he he left the White House in uh, 1981, uh, 40, 50, 60, 63 years ago. So uh, well, 43. Yeah, 43 years. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, 40, wait, wait. No, Something you're right. Like you're right. 20. It's 43 years ago. 43. But still, yeah. that, I mean. It's a long time. You have to be 55 or older to even remember him. Yes. Uh, because yes. Uh, how long that was. Well, let me bring up one more topic here, Bill, in that, because I think another big story out of of 2023 is what's happening in the universities. Oh yes, and 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 almost like Exhibit A of all of this is the president of Harvard University, who has become a real problem. More people are are saying no to making contributions than ever before. Some big checks are not going their way. They've lost billions of dollars so far. Yeah, and that's a lot of money. That's what they live off. Well, they, I think the, the country itself was so stunned by these three college presidents. First of all, the first episode was the three college presidents appearing before a congressional committee and being asked about the most obvious question. Would you consider it a violation of your university's uh, rules and your university's uh, 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 beliefs to advocate for the extermination of the Jews? And they said, well, it depends on the circumstances. I mean, you know, uh, people just stood there and said, do these people have any common sense at all? Yeah. And, and they were three formidable women. And then, of course, the president of Harvard added to the cake uh, when it was, it was discovered that she's been accused of plagiarism, not once but many times. 
She is still there, but it's been pointed out that no student at Harvard accused of these things would be allowed to remain. And she's remaining. The, the, the board has given her at least public support. There are, there are some stories out from good sources that she was asked to resign and refuse, but I don't have independent verification of that. But that story is going to grow because you cannot have as president of a university someone who has committed offenses that no student could get away with. I mean, it, right. it's just, no, it's ridiculous. You... But even the other two schools, I think it was MIT, they were asking, MIT, you can now uh, segregate yourself with people yes. of similar values. Yes. And then, of course, somebody said, okay, so if white students want to segregate themselves with people of similar values, would you tolerate that? She really couldn't answer the question. No. She said, well, the students pick that. Well, I have a feeling if, if there was a white-only club Yes. at any of these universities, uh, that there would be a real problem, Bill. That's right. And then what happens if they break that up and then the African-Americans want a, a club? Do you break that one up too? I mean, it just they just didn't seem to be in the real world. And I think Americans finally got the picture that our universities are becoming more and more distant from the country. And and, and the, the one at Harvard, of course, is the, is the whopper because you just get the feeling that something else is going to come out. Right. Oh, I, I, I get that feeling, too. I think it is kind of funny. It would make a good Saturday Night Live or maybe not Saturday Night Live because they're not funny anymore. But the old Saturday Night Live would have figured out some way of connecting uh, Joe Biden's plagiarism with this lady's plagiarism. <laughs> yes, yes. Come up yes. with a sketch, you know, where the, the two plagiarism, the two somehow compete with each other to see who who's better at plagiarism, something like that. They, all Saturday Night Live would probably do something like that. They don't, I don't think they're funny anymore, actually, over at Saturday Night Live. I don't no, think the night, the night comedians are funny anymore. I mean, no, they're all about politics. Yes. And they've ruined it because when we did the Tonight Show and I was simply a staff member, but Johnny Carson made sure that the show was funny and entertaining and he knew that nobody gave a damn about his political views. Right, exactly. But the, don't you think that, because, I mean, I've seen clips of, of Johnny Carson mocking Joe Biden over the plagiarism. Oh, sure. Oh, oh, absolutely. Sure. He would take on political figures for humor. Right. You know, but not, not to lecture the country on what he believed. Right, exactly. Uh, but don't you think he probably would... <laughs> Would have you know done something on on the Harvard president? I I just I mean it's hard to tell, but I think he would have. Uh, possibly, possibly. Yeah. Uh, uh, he may have balked a little at the racial angle, uh, and NBC might have. You know they had standards and practices. That's a that's a that's a tough question. But certainly, I mean he he would have gone after Trump remarkably well. I mean with humor, with humor. Right. And uh, whereas uh, the other guys were so serious about it. I mean, who's the one on CBS who takes himself so seriously? I can't remember his name now. I can't either. I, but you know, the, it's funny. I don't even remember. I don't even know who these people are anymore. No. At no. one time, at one time, I knew that it was ja it was uh, Carson and, and Cabot. What was it? The other guy, Cabot? Uh, uh, that was uh, Dick Cabot. Yeah, Dick Cabot. But at one time, and, I knew the two of them were and, on. And Merv Griffin. Right, but the, at one time I knew that the at least Cabot and and uh, Carson were on, and sometimes yes. when Carson was on vacation, I would check Cabot just yes. to see what he was saying. But I liked both. Yes. I thought they were both funny. Well, that that has now passed. Uh, funny just doesn't seem to be attractive to the people who run television. 
when I think it would be very attractive to the people at home. <laughs> well, maybe they should talk to Disney and all the flops they had. <laughs> you, know, talk to Disney. you know, when you make movies that people, you know, if you make movies that people don't want to watch and you have eight flops in one year, not one, yes. but eight, you would think that at some point they get the message over there that maybe we need to make different movies. I don't know. Yes, or either that or the, the people who are really out of touch will say, we just don't make enough of these films. If we made more, more people would come. Right. But, you know, there used to be a, a, um, uh, we, we, there used to be a, a saying in, in Hollywood, if, um, if you want to send a message, call Western Union. You know, because there was right after World War II a period when Hollywood wanted to get more serious and there were producers who wanted to make what they called message films. Uh, and it, it didn't work out all that well. Right. I have never known anybody, Bill, who said, let's go to the movies so we can get lectured. That, yes, that's, that's true. I want to find out really how bad we are. So let's go to the local theater. And, and by the way, each bag of popcorn is $5. I want you to remember that. Right. Uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it just doesn't seem like many times somebody will say, hey, there's this great new movie that came out. It's really funny. Or there's a great movie that came out about World War II, like Saving Private Ryan or something like that. But I've never heard anybody say, okay, let's go to the movies because there's a – you're, they're going to make you feel stupid because you voted this way or that way. That's right. Oh, by the way, I actually uh, saw Barbie over the weekend. Oh, you did? Yes. I, I, I thought I thought I said to my wife, "Look, I don't think this is for us, but we should know what it's about just to know what's going on in the world." I lasted an hour. I, I asked after an hour, I just went and took a nap. I mean, I thought it was just the silliest thing. My wife did did endure the entire thing so she could know what it was about as as I, as I said but i thought it's it made a fortune it made a fortune because basically it was about the barbie doll and all little kids who had barbie dolls probably wanted to go see the movie so they made it was a terrific financial success but as a movie i i you know i don't i don't think it's going to i don't think it's going to go down the way the wizard of oz has gone down in <laughs> no i don't think they'll be talking about it in 50 years no uh, that's uh, that's true well, Bill, I want to thank you so much for your support uh, this past year and looking forward to starting it all again in 2024. And uh, we'll keep an eye on some of these thoughts that we had. But I think that Trump comeback of 2023 is the one story of the year, Bill, that I would have never foreseen a year no. ago. I would have never predicted that. And why he's coming back is so interesting. I have two theories that I want to share with you. The first one is, I think the comparison helps Trump, meaning the, the way the country was versus the way it is now. I think it helps Trump. And the other thing is that I, I think the Democrats have been engaging in a bit of overkill because this Colorado opinion this week is crazy. It's crazy. But that it's almost like that's the face of the Democrat Party bill. I'm afraid it is. They, they now want to do things to get things done through court decisions because they're so unpopular. Yes. And, and that's a terrible way to run a country. It is, and but I think people are catching up with that. Yes, I think people so. are saying, "Wait a minute, how are you going to keep a guy from running for president just because you don't like him? Vote against him if you don't like him, but don't do this." So I think it those two things: the comparison, and 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 uh, I think the, the the way the Democrats are overreacting to everything. You know, Trump's made that stupid, and it was very stupid remark that he made about 
you know, the, the bloodlines and all of that. I thought it was an awful remark. It was a stupid remark. But what did they do? They start saying, well, he was quoting Hitler. Yes. <laughs> so he, they he, come yes, the he, other way and they overkill it. Of course they do. He wasn't actually quoting Hitler. Uh, and I, 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 I don't think he believes in Hitler. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, we've talked about this before. I'm not in love with Donald Trump. You know, he's, I, I, I think the country, I, if, if, uh, you know, if, if there's a decision between Biden and Trump, we have to make a decision. But I, I think that in the future, the parties need to improve themselves so they can nominate better people and more substantive people. Yeah. Because I, I think the country is losing faith in the very institutions uh, that uh, have come to define us, one of which is the presidential election. Well, you know, we were talking about Truman at the beginning. Truman was the product of a different selection. Oh, yes. In 1944. He would have never probably made it this way, the way we do it now. And uh, the fact that he was nominated for the Democrats to be vice president, I think that was the best uh, of that old system. That it they could was. pick somebody that they knew. The, they knew that Roosevelt was sick and they wanted to have somebody there that, that and was they, better. And they, and they knew Truman. They had worked with Truman. Yes. Truman was not unknown. The, the myth is that he was unknown. He was actually one of the best known senators. And he, his, pic, his picture was on the cover of Time magazine during the war for investigating war corruption corruption right. in the war industries a gutsy thing to do and yes they, they i, I want to go back to a system that is mixed that where you have primaries but there is a party establishment that also has power people who know what's going on who know the candidates and and can make it you know we can go back to the smoke-filled rooms and laugh at it and say it was corrupt and it was bosses but I don't recall those people ever going to a national convention and nominating a jerk. Right. No, they, I agree. And of course, they, they, they were pros. Today, they wouldn't be smoke filled. They'd be vape. That's right. They'd, they'd, be, they'd vape. be using the vape. They wouldn't they would be, be smoking real cigars, but they'd be vaping, whatever they call that stuff. But uh, but anyway, Bill, have a great weekend. Happy New Year. Happy and, New Year. And uh, we'll connect family? after the first of the year. I look forward to it, Silvio. All right. Thank you so much. Our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, the editor. Of over a virgin agenda, I always enjoy chatting with him here as we as we finish another year. But you know what Bill and I were talking about, and I'm very concerned about this, is something happening. There's too many crazy things around the world happening right now, including our own border. And something could happen. Something could happen. Too many, too many bad balls in the air, if I could use that example. And any one of them could be very traumatic uh, for 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.